once again, it's an honor to stand behind this very familiar, but at the same time, very scary pulpit. Because every time I stand here, I have to ask God to download a new message for me. Because I know BCS is a very high standard, and Singapore is very strategic. That is what Singaporeans always brag about and being proud of. We may be small, but we are strategic. I don't know we have, whether we have the equivalent saying in English. In Indonesia, we have a saying called kecil-kecil rawit. Though we may be small, but we are chili padi. So that is what Singaporeans always am proud about, are proud about of being small but strategic. So I asked God this morning to give me a new message because I have been given a theme that this month of February, the theme will be, what is the kingdom of God? Now, I don't know if you played the pastor's message in uh, the international service, probably not, although it has uh, English subtitles in Pastor Nico's message. And actually, I'm the one who's doing that every month, which I'm very happy to do. Um, but if you recall, Pastor Nico has given us a theme for this year. This is the theme of, this is the year of new birth. So there will be new birthings that will take place in our lives. What has new birth got to do with the kingdom of God? I said they are very, very, very closely related. They are very closely related. Singapore has a very special place for me personally. This is the first place I remember in 1976, my dad took me here when I was about like five or six years old. This is the first place that he took me overseas. The first place I have a concept of a better city. As a child, I thought Jakarta was so big. Well, Jakarta is the best city in the world until I remember my dad took me to Singapore. And then I began to see, wow, there is a place that is better. A better city called Singapore. Also, Singapore is cleaner than Jakarta, more organized, blah, blah, blah. So it left an impact in my mind as a child. I remember this, uh, this city is also the city where my father passed into glory. So my father died in Singapore in 1992. 27 years ago, not in any of the renowned hospitals behind Orchard Road, the hospital road, but he died in a building, the Prudential building, as he was delivering the Word of God. Just five minutes before he stopped, he slumped and he passed over into glory. So my father's friend, who were from that era, sometimes I met them, I meet them time and time again, they always remind me, you always have to be proud of your father's heritage because he died actually serving the Lord. He died in action. I remember also Singapore in the 1990s, in that decade, from 1992 to 1999, I spent almost every month, one week here in this city, working at that time in my first uh, professional uh, career. We were working in an HR industry. And from here, I want to start with the theme. If we can invent a time machine and transport 
Jesus and his disciples and the, the world that Jesus ministered to 2,000 years ago, two millennia ago, and if we can invent a time machine and bring those folks back here in Singapore of 2019, then we could be quite sure that Jesus would have a small organization registered. In Indonesia, we call it Yayasan, a foundation. In Singapore, you would call it a uh, society, a registered society. With Jesus probably as a chairman, as a chairman, we know that for sure because he had a treasurer. His name was Judas Iscariot. So Jesus must have a small organization registered. And like any small organization, they would develop a stationary uh, products, you know, letterheads, envelopes, pens with little logos that you give away to your clients. I remember BCS used to have a holy water jar here with a BCS logo in it. Do we still produce them, Pastor? Huh? Still? Yeah. You should bring that home and not waste it, you know. This is anointed water with BCS logo in it. So uh, these are what we call stationary. And with stationary, you promote your one-liner, or we call it tagline. You know, I remember when I was working in that industry, we helped several companies to come up with this one-liner taglines to promote either the product or the organization. And I asked Pastor Betty, the previous services, does BCS have a one-liner, a tagline, you know, like that? Of course you have. And let me check the pastors here. Do you know what is the one-liner tagline of BCS? Uh-uh. <laughs> Raise up, reach out, and impact. That's the one-liner tagline. Tag I woke up this morning slightly after 4 o'clock and I prayed. And suddenly I was reminded by this fact, you know. Okay, do we have any sports junkies here? that you spend majority of your time or, or quite a lot, significant chunk of your time and your money investing in sports. Do we have sports junkies among us this afternoon? I'm sure there is. Okay, how many of you know the brand Nike? Okay, Nike. Of course, many of you know. Yeah. Okay, Nike is big in the world. You know what is the one-liner tagline of Nike? Just do it, you know. Just do it symbolizes the philosophy of Nike. Okay, let me ask you this. Who is now the closest competitor of Nike? Yes, Adidas. Okay. Do you know what is Adidas' tagline? One-liner. Not a lot. I'm sure there, there, are, there are sports junkies among us. Come on. Impossible is nothing. That's right. I was reminded by the process, how they come up with that one-liner tagline. I was looking for the consultant company, consultancy company that they hire to come up with that one-liner. They spend around 20 or $25 million in research and survey trying to 
gauge the attitude of the crowd that they are trying to reach. So I forgot whether it's KPMG or one of the big boys, you know, they call it the white, the, the white flat shoe line in London. So they spend tens of millions of dollars and they come up with this tagline, which you just said, impossible is nothing. That becomes the battle cry of Adidas. And now they are neck to neck competition with Nike. Before they were left quite, you know, far behind. One tagliner is powerful. Now, again, if we can move Jesus from 2,000 years ago, Jesus and his small band of men, his small organization, and put them here in Singapore 2019, do you think they have a stationery with logo and a one-liner tagline? I'm sure they, have, they do. And their one-line tagliners would be that one sentence that one slogan, yeah, I like the Mandarin word for it, kohao, the motto, the kohao, the mouth sign of the organization that Jesus led would be the kingdom of God. We are here to bring the kingdom of God. And that idea caught like wildfire. The, the masses, the people, the crowd, Lao Pai Sing, they caught into that idea because that is exactly what is in the air. That, that attitude, uh, that, that one line really spoke of the longing and the desire. Just like that one sentence, impossible is nothing, really captures the spirit and the attitudes of the wise generation. That they are willing to change everything. They are willing to dare and risk everything, including the limits and the challenges that their parents or their senior generation said that they were not they are not able to do so that phrase impossible is nothing captures or represents the attitude and the value system of that generation in jesus generation that phrase the kingdom of god is among you really captures the sentiment the desire the what you call um desire, sentiment, aspiration of that generation. Why? Because that concept did not start with Jesus, but started almost 1,500 years before Jesus in the life of one person called Abraham. In Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 14 to 16, help me here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 14 to uh, 16. It says like this. For those who said those things, yeah, declare plainly they seek a homeland. And if among the, along the journey, next, uh, along the journey, they remember where they came from, they have plenty of opportunity to return. But now, they long for a better country, a heavenly, um, no, verse, verse 16, 16, verse 16, yeah. But now they desire a better country, which is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So this is the germs 
where the idea of the kingdom of God was first planted. In the heart of a businessman, a wealthy businessman, in, who lived in a very prosperous modern city. Abraham of Ur of the Chaldean. And I remember in my, uh, in my graduate studies, we did a little study about the city of Ur in the land of Chaldea. The city of Ur, some of us might have a, a, a wrong impression that we thought it was a backwater country with hardly any running water. No, 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 no. That is a very misleading idea. The city of Ur in the land of Chaldees in the second millennia BC was the most advanced city on earth, period. We put it on today's term. You know, I mean, like on a global scale, that would be London or Paris or New York. On Asian uh, scale, it prob it's probably like Tokyo or Hong Kong. It is not some backwater city in Indonesia somewhere, you know, where hardly there is any civilization. No, they, he lived in a very modern city, and he was a big boss there. If that had been Singapore, his address would be somewhere here in Orchard Road or in uh, Scotts Roads here, not in Hogang or Simei somewhere. Sorry if you live there. But he is actually a very successful businessman living in a very prosperous, very modern town. But somehow, in, deep in his heart, he felt uneasiness. He felt that, is this all there is in life? Isn't there something more? I mean, like, this guy had a condo on the 18th hole of a, probably the nicest golf club that his world could offer. Several yoch already in the marina somewhere. I did actually a research that Ur of the Chaldees, second millennia BC, was actually at the, Gulf of the, uh, at the mouth of the Gulf of Arabia. Now it is 100 miles inland. But 2,000 years, I mean like 4,000 years ago, there's probably right there, it's a beachfront property. So he lived in a very modern city, very comfortable. But he said, I'm sure that there is more in life than this. He felt that restlessness. And he wanted to seek for a city whose builder and foundation is laid none other by God himself. Like I said when I started, when I was five or six years old, Singapore gave me an idea, a concept, that there is a better city somewhere. Now, let me ask you this. You know, I know how many of you here are Singapore PR, permanent residents? So that means uh, you are still Indonesian or some other, but you have a Singapore PR. How many of you here are citizen of Singapore? That means you have a Singaporean passport. That means this is your home. Yeah. How many of you are guests? That means you are, <laughs> you are in Singapore for, you know, that means. So this is the concept. So. Um, Abraham was looking for a country and a city. You know, he was a wealthy businessman. He had everything. But he wanted to leave all of that behind in order to go to that country 
and have a stake in the city that is being built by God. Uh, just now we prayed for the United Kingdom. And in the first service when we prayed for, for the UK, I felt a little bit emotional because the UK is quite special. Uh, a lot of people ask me, Pastor Abraham, what are you? Nisha Shemarin. Are you Chinese? You are Indonesian? I always say to them, first of all, first and foremost, I am BBC. BBC. What is BBC? British by choice, I said. <laughs> British by culture. British by Chinese. <laughs> so, uh, I remember C.S. Lewis, one of my heroes, reading Lewis in Europe at that time. He said something about his experience of heaven. When he was very young, he and his brother built, he said, a toy garden. It's a portable garden made of biscuit tins, which he covered with moss. How many of you read C.S. Lewis? Anybody here read Lewis? Yeah, one or two. Not a lot. Narnia series, but also the non-fiction ones. Yeah, surprised by joy. He said about... You, are you familiar with what I'm saying? Well, he and his brother, um, uh, his brother, his name is uh, Clive. Uh, they built this, Warney, Warney, his brother is Warner. And he says, every time I look at my toy garden, I felt the sense of lushness and freshness. And it creates in me the longing for something that is beyond this present world. And then he said, the most difficult thing to explain what wetness is, is to a fish. I mean, like, if you ask a fish, if fish can communicate to you, it says, explain to me what wetness is. It says, I can't because for him, he lived in water. He lives in water all of his life, and yet he couldn't explain it. This is what Louis said. This is... The reason behind the invisible city, like Camelot. Camelot is a city that you can see if you have a special eye. Only special people can see Camelot. Camelot is actually physically located in Glastonbury. But if you have the Arthurian blood of King Arthur, you see that behind this city, there is another city that is hidden. Wow, I said, Louis is is really magnificent. This is probably what happened to Abraham. He longed for something that he never, ever experienced before. A city whose builder and foundation is led none other by God himself. Indonesians, if they have money, they want to try better life in Singapore. If they make it in Singapore, they want to try their luck somewhere else, isn't it? either Canada or Australia or the U.S. I've never met any Singaporean want to immigrate to Rwanda or to Timbuktu somewhere. It's just, you know, what kind of life are they offering? What kind of future are there in those kinds of pla in those places? So, I mean, like, he is, Abraham was already here in the top of the world at that time, but he longed for somewhere better. 
So this is what the idea of the kingdom of God is. Now, you can share this to your friends. You can share this to your family. Abraham took Lot, his nephews with him, his nephew with him, in that journey. In Genesis chapter 13, Genesis chapter 13, verse 10 and 11. Genesis chapter 10, verse, uh, sorry, verses thir uh, chapter 13, verse 10 to 11. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. That was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zoar. And verse 11, Lot chose for himself and all the plain of Jordan, and the Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham took Lot, but Lot could not see that city that his uncle saw. He did not have that special eye to see. Now, he was following Abraham for, uh, you know, for some time and for what he can get out of it. Most possibly that he worked for Abraham, so Abraham gave him his, his, his uh, share, in, you know, both salary and dividends. But there come a period, there came a period in, 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 in their journey that Abraham's shepherd, and Lot's shepherd fought over pasture land. In today's language, Abraham's manager and Lot's manager, they fought over market share. My salesman and your salesman fought over the same customers. So this reached the hearing of Abraham, and he called Lot. He says, my dear boy, I heard this report that your salesman fought with my salesman right there in front of the client, that's not good. Because after all, we are family. I can imagine, you know, Abraham probably is like this Italian dons, you know, mafia. Well, we're family, we're family. Mangiare, mangiare. That's not good, you know. Let's not fight over turf. Let's not have turf wars over this. I'm your uncle. I love you. So if you choose left, I'll go to the right. If I choose right, uh, sorry, if you choose right, I'll go to the left. Okay, that is, I mean, like, what a wonderful attitude to have as an uncle, as a senior. Lord, he says, he saw, he saw that the cities of the plain of Zoar, which was Sodom and Gomorrah, the two chief cities, were like the garden of God. Abraham could see that invisible city. Lot could not. He could only see what was physical, what was sensual, and what was immediately in front of him. Understanding this, no wonder Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The operative word in that sentence is see. My friends, unless God spoke to you and that seed of the new life is planted, then your eyes cannot be open. Your spiritual eyes cannot be open. 
and see the purpose and the call of God, the kind of city, the kind of country that He prepares for you. Lot could not see that. He saw what was immediate, what was sensual. And this is where Jesus picked up that theme. You see what happened with Abraham? You see what happened with Lot? In Matthew chapter 13, which is the most complete chapter in the Bible about the teachings about the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 33. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 33. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Next. Which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greater, it is the greater than all the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air comes and nest in its branches. Next. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes without... Uh, a parable, he did not speak to them. And then there is another uh, uh, verse 33. Another verse 33. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid three measures of the meal until it was all leaven. So Jesus was trying to explain the kingdom of God using two of the smallest objects known to mankind, two of the smallest objects that we can see with our naked eye, mustard seed and yeast. I remember when I was in high school, we learned how to bake bread, you know, using flour, egg, and yeast. This is the first time I saw yeast in action. How actually after you have what you call pounded this dough, you put the yeast and you see the dough rise, and you produce quite a number of bread with that. This is where Jesus said, in the kingdom of God, everything starts small. Everything starts with something that cannot be seen or very difficult to be seen with natural eye, but it will grow into something that is mighty, will grow into something that will bring impact to thousands of people. Something that cannot be denied. I've seen mustard seeds. They are actually quite big. But the seed of mustard is actually small. One of the honors I have in this life is I have had tea with one of the great Pentecostal British scholar, the late Derek Prince. He was very well known and well respected. I had tea with him. And he said this to me, and I shall remember this for the rest of my life. He said, Abraham, remember this. Everything that God started that has the life of God in it, everything started small. Everything started small. Even the elephants, even the great blue, they call it the killer blue whale, started with something very small. So the kingdom of God started small, but it will grow into something so large, so obvious. And I try to see, there's at least four steps where we see the kingdom of God grow from something small into something that is so powerful, so mighty. Number one, 
I think the first level is as the result of being born again. Number one, we began to be aware of the presence of God in our lives. We began to be aware. That seed will create awareness of the Spirit of God, the presence of God in our lives. God's calling to Abraham was in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, God says, Walk before me, Abraham, and be blameless. Walk before me and being blameless. That is actually a, uh, uh, what we call, continuation of a feeling that he had in Genesis chapter 12. He felt in his heart that he is to leave his land, he is to leave his father's house, he is to leave his, his kinfolk and venture into the unknown. Do we have any trackies in our midst this afternoon? No trackies? Well, I feel very alone. You know, from the 70s, you know, Starship Enterprise. To go boldly where no one had gone before. Wow, I'm a dinosaur. Nobody remember that tagline. So, Captain Spock, I mean like Captain Kirk and uh, Spock. So, to boldly go where no one has gone before. This is the call of God to Abraham. God said, leave everything and uh, I'll give you a land. I'll, give, I'll make your name great. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. I mean like I say this to the girls, you know, my students, especially to the ladies. I say this, when you judge a man, don't judge him by his appearance. You know, the clothes that he wears, his uh, watch, or the car that he drives. These are what we call mobile assets. Mobile assets are deceiving. You can rent them, actually. You know, you can rent them. In China, there are people that will rent Ferrari just to impress them. Prospective, prospective dates, you know, rent a Ferrari, rent some of this. If you want to see whether someone is wealthy or not, don't check his mobile assets. Check his fixed assets. Land, factories, condominiums. Those are the things that make someone has wealth in the eyes of the bank. But nobody in their right mind going around with their certificate of property in their pocket, isn't it? Unless you work for Century 21 or, or ERA or whatever. So, Abraham had to leave all of his fixed assets and becoming a nomad, a wanderer. This morning, I had this image. Don't ask me where is my source. Don't ask me is there any verse that you can use to prove this. This is just my imagination running wild. I can imagine like this, you know. Abraham one day, you know, he was wearing his shorts, you know, and t-shirts, and he was wandering around in many of the malls in the Ur, in the city of Ur. He, there are many malls in Ur, like in Orchard Road, and Abraham probably owned one of them, you know, and he didn't, he, he even forgot which one, which malls that he owned. So he just ventured in one of the malls, and they have a property expo, you know, in Indonesia, this is the big thing right now, you know, developing brand new cities. In China, you see overnight cities sprang up in the middle of the boonies, in the middle of nowhere. 
So people are flocking to these cities because they want to have a better future. So Abraham walked into this one of in these malls, you know, and then he saw this property expo and people are giving out brochures and Abraham was looking at this and he says, well, I've owned, probably I, I forgot what I own already. But in one of the corner there, there is a small booth somewhere. And the guy who was passing out the brochure was different. You know, I mean, like the rest are, you know, you know, pretty girls and cool boys, you know, cool guys trying to attract customers. But the guy there is a little bit old. His hair was actually graying. But there is a kind of aura in him. And then Abraham approached him, and then this guy gave him a, a brochure. Are you interested? And as, I, as he looked at that brochure, that city really shined. And it almost like jumped. It is the city whose foundation and whose builder is none other than God himself. He says, what city is this? You know. He says, if you are interested, read this. So Abraham looked at that brochure. He went back home. He couldn't sleep, you know. He dreamt over it, you know. He, 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 he dreamed about this city. And the next morning as he woke up, he was looking for the brochure. The brochure was gone. And he was looking for the name card of the guy that was giving him that brochure. And the name card was gone. He went back to the same mall and asked, where is that booth I saw just last night out there? And they checked. There's no one with the description that you just mentioned. Everyone else is still there, was still there. But the guy is gone. It's probably God appearing to Abraham and giving him, planting him that dream. Now, that's just my imagination running wild. Don't ask me what is the source. It is okay to read the Bible with imagination. It, in, in fact, it is encouraged. From that sense of challenge, Abraham began to obey God, leaving everything behind and venture into the unknown. Step by step, God was guiding his life. In Genesis chapter 15, we don't have time to look. He says, Abraham, don't worry. Although you feel that you are alone, although you feel that you are a wanderer, you have no partner that can protect you. You don't have your kinsmen, your folks that will protect you. You are alone. But I will be the one, I will be your protector. I will be your strong partner. I will be your reward. That's Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 17, God says, walk before me. Live with me. Let's work together and be blameless before me. So Abraham finally got the sense of the, and of the assurance that God is with him every step of the way. That is the kingdom of God. It starts with the awareness of God taking us step by step into the future that he has for us. And the second step is this. Number one is the awareness of the presence of God in our lives, guiding us. Number two, or the second level, is the atmosphere of the kingdom of God began to be manifested in our lives. Number one is the awareness. The second is the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Very famous verse. I, I want you to memorize this. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Do I have the help here? Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, 
Yeah. I always remind myself every time I travel to Hong Kong or Singapore, trying to gorge myself in one of the <laughs> local food courts I, that you have here. Now, the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy. This is only one among many verses that says that the kingdom of God is actually like an atmosphere or an aura that you have around you, an aura that you have surrounding you. Um, once every few years, I have to renew my U.S. visa in the American Embassy in Jakarta. Now, the American Embassy in Jakarta near Monas is very much right there, downtown Jakarta. It shares the weather that we have in Jakarta. When it's hot, it's sweltering hot, blistering uh, hot. When it rains, you know, I mean, it shares the same weather as the rest of the city. But I can't help. I don't know how many of you, if you have to renew USB. So I don't know if you shared this feeling with me. Every time I step into the embassy of America, of the United States, in the visa, the consular section, I cannot, I cannot help but feel it is almost like half of my foot is already in America. It has the American feeling to that building. I remember I had to go to the German embassy in Jakarta for my European visa, my EU visa, Schengen visa. And I step into their visa section. I can almost smell bratwurst in that room, you know. The German embassy has a German feel to it. And I guess it is supposed to be the case in every embassy, right? They have to represent the kingdom that dispatched them. They have to represent the kingdom that sent them. There has to be that aura of that kingdom. And if you are pregnant, ladies, if you are pregnant, and you step into the parking lot of the U.S. Embassy in Jakarta, and by some freak accident you give birth right there in the parking lot, then congratulations. Your son will have a blue passport when he, was 18, when he will be 18. He will not be a citizen of the Republic of Indonesia. He can claim an American citizenship. Why? Because he was born in U.S. soil. Think about it, yeah. And uh, the laws of the Republic of Indonesia is not automatically applicable in that compound because there's a higher law. We call it diplomatic immunity that covers that piece of ground. I believe this is the Grand Hyatt Hotel in Orchard Road, Singapore. But at least for every Sunday, this compound is the embassy of the kingdom of heaven for Singapore. Every time we step in there, it's that atmosphere of the kingdom of God here. You will be changed because your hope is renewed. I have a question for you, especially guys. If you're interested in the military, I have this question. What is Air Force One? Pastor Nico, what is Air Force One? What is Air Force One? The presidential plane of the United States of America? Wrong. That is a wrong answer. 
A lot of people answer that. What is Air Force One? Oh, presidential airplane of the president of the United POTUS. No, that is a wrong answer. Yes. What is Air Force One? Any airplane that carries the president of America is called Air Force One. So by any stroke of luck, if Donald Trump comes to visit Indonesia and he finds himself on Lion Air, on board any of our Lion Air, that Lion Air will be Air Force One. I don't know what, what kind of miracle that will happen, but suppose Donald Trump steps in one of our Lion airplanes, that Lion Air will be Air Force One. So when you ask the same question, where is the kingdom of God? Whenever the king is present in your love, in whatever aspect, that is the kingdom of God. So we began to manifest the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. The third level, the third level, that you grow from the sense of awareness to the sense of the atmosphere. Number three is when we began to display the works of the kingdom or the fruits of the kingdom. Um, Matthew chapter 21, verse 43. Matthew chapter 21, verse 43. Can I have the uh, verse here? 21, verse uh, 43. Therefore, I say unto you, that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will bring fruits of it. Yeah, fruits of the kingdom. The kingdom of God will be taken from the Jewish people of Jesus' generation and will be given to another nation, which I and many of the biblical scholars believe it is given to the church so that we can produce the works of the kingdom. The works of the kingdom, meaning what Jesus explained in Matthew chapter 6 about the principles of the kingdom and the culture of the kingdom, your conduct, the way you carry yourself in business, in daily um, interaction, in your family life, in your married life, in your love life, began to be transformed because of the culture that is inoculating you. There's a small, almost humorous story I heard in Indonesia about how K-pop, how many of you know what K-pop is? Okay, yeah. In <laughs> Hallyu, Korean wave. Now the Koreans are trying to do what we call colonize and dominate the world with their culture, you know. We used to have hair salon, but now it's not enough. It has to be Korean hair salon, K-salon. Isn't it true? I mean, like, now, now in Indonesia, in the island of Papua, you know, Papua, you got big, tall guys and girls, you know, dark skin, curly hair. But they are not escaping the influence of K-pop dramas. And many of them says, Wow, this K-pop thing is destroying the specific Papuan dialect. You know, the Papuan girls used to call their boyfriends or, or, or your boyfriends or husbands as Pache, you know. They used to call them Pache, Pache. But now because of this Korean idea of girlishness, you know, they began to call Pache. 
You know, I mean, like, can you imagine these big, burly girls, you know, with, they try to imitate Korean girls, you know, I mean, like, I was, I was laughing on the floor, you know. See, this is what we call cultural imperialism. You are trying to change the behavior, trying to influence a culture to adopt another culture. And I believe this is what Jesus says, that when the kingdom of God starts to operate within you, first, it will bring the awareness of the presence of God. Second, it will bring the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven. And number three, it starts to change your behavior and my behavior. We began to act. We began to to conduct ourselves, we began to, to, to emulate the values and the principles and the teachings of the kingdom of God into our lives. I can imagine Singapore will not be the same if we have a thousand believers, if we have a thousand Christians, if we have a thousand people who are so in love with Jesus, displaying the character and the fruits of the kingdom of God in our everyday lives, our day, uh, everyday interaction. And my final point, number four. After the awareness level, after the atmosphere level, after the fruits of the kingdom, that level. Number three, we began to display the power of that kingdom. The power of that kingdom. Hebrews chapter 6, verse four and, five, 4 and 5. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Help me here. It says here, for those, for it is impossible for those who have, who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, next verse 5, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, of the powers of the world to come, the power of the coming cosmos. The coming ion, the coming kingdom or that country that will come. If they have tasted this. Luke chapter 11, verse 20. I like the English translation here. Because the Indonesian translation is not clear. But uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 20 it says, If I, yeah, by the power, if I cast demons... With the finger of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, the Indonesian says by the power of God, but the English is very clear. It says by the finger of God. If I do all of this demonstration of power, healing the sick, casting out demons, manifesting all of these powers of the kingdom, then you know that the kingdom of God is surely upon you. Coming back to that description of this glorious and gleaming city, that Abraham saw this wonderful kingdom that waits for all of us here. As wonderful as, as that city was, or is, or as wonderful as that city is, the main boulevard of that city will make Orchard Road look like a country road somewhere back in the boonies. But as great as that city was, you will find they don't have any hospital. No hospital in that city. Why? Because there won't be any sick people in that city. There is no hospital in the kingdom of heaven. You all will be and do exactly what God wills for us. So I began to see 
that when we do all the principles of the kingdom of God, the power of the Holy Spirit will be released upon you. You begin to do what the great things that Jesus did, healing the sick, casting out demons. The power of that kingdom began to back you up in all of our dealings, in all of our transactions and interactions. That's why I understand when Jesus says the kingdom of God may start small, like a mustard seed or like yeast. Start from that awareness of God is with you. God is guiding you. God is with you wherever you go. And it grows to become a, what we call, a weather internally in your heart. I always say there's two kinds of weather. There's weather outdoor. There is the weather indoor. The weather outdoor you can check in your cell phone. It is determined by sunlight, moisture, moisture level, the kind of humidity that we have. But the weather indoor is determined by the feng shui of your heart. What is your heart condition? When you have the kingdom of God and righteousness, peace, and joy, that will create the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. And then you proceed further. You begin to manifest the works of the kingdom. It will transform the way we talk, the way we do, the way we act. And then God's power is with you. That seed has grown into a mighty tree. Many birds will come and take shelter in it. Many people will see. Pastor, I see something different. You are not like the other teacher I see in the university. You are not like the other businessman I see in the market. You are different. You have something. And our answer would be like, let me introduce you to this property that you need to buy. <laughs> let me introduce you to this piece of land that you need to be partake of. Sell everything. Come and follow me, Jesus says. We are just passing through this world. We are going for another kingdom. I believe when this happens, Singapore will be transformed. We will be agents of that kingdom. It starts by being born again. If we are born again, we can see the kingdom of God. How many of you would like to see that kingdom? How many of you would like to be obsessed by that kingdom, seeing that every day? Just like Abraham. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful time of reflection upon your word. We can see when Jesus says, I come to bring the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is upon you. He is talking about something that is so great, so marvelous. This is more than just one liner. This is more than just a tagline. It is a concept that Abraham, were, is, Abraham thought it was worth giving up everything to pursue. Father, I don't know what kind of vision that my brothers and my sisters see in their lives right now. But I just pray right now, will you intervene and open our eyes so that we can see that city, a city whose founder and builder is none other than God. That is the kind of future that you have for us, for eternity, but it starts here on earth. Starts here by us feeling your presence, us being aware of your hand guiding us. As we close our eyes, let me ask you this important question. 
if you say to me, Pastor Abraham, I kind of know what you're talking about. I've done my best to explain. But I just, to be honest, I can't see it. Like Lot, this world is all I can see. I cannot see that city. Jesus said, you have to be born again. How many of you would like to say to me and to God this afternoon, Jesus, I want to be born again. I want to see your kingdom. If you haven't asked, if you have never asked Jesus to birth you into this new kingdom, to give you birth into this new reality, you have never asked him, today is the perfect time. How many of you would like to say that? Yes, pastor, I would like to be born into that kingdom. Well, all of us are closing our eyes, bowing our heads. If you want to make that commitment, if you want to make that your prayer this afternoon, raise your hands and I will pray for you. I want to see that kingdom. I want to be able to see. Father, I pray for my friends who are raising their hands right now. Holy Spirit, drop that seed into their hearts. Those of you who raise their hands, follow this simple prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come before you today. I confess that I am a sinner. I am bound to this earth. I am bound to my sin. But I believe you have died on the cross for me. And then by your blood, I can be redeemed. I can be born again. Right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and give me that awareness of your kingdom. I don't want to be bound to this earth. I want to be with you forever in your kingdom. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my hand. Take control over my life from today onwards. It is not my will, but yours be done. Every single step, I yield to you. Thank you, Father. I pray for my brothers and sisters. Let this simple prayer be the beginning of their journey with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you.